Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Warren Danforth, speaker and owner of Spa 35. All right, welcome everybody, Alex Tiersch. Uh, this is Medical Spa Insider, and I've got Warren Danforth on the AmSpa hotline. I'm very excited to, to talk to you. Warren, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Um, for those of you who don't know uh, Warren, and many of you, you have probably heard of him, he's a... Um, uh, a med spa owner in Boise, Idaho. Spa 35 is the med spa that, that he owns. It's been around for, for a while. He's also a, a speaker and a KOL for Candela um, and does a lot for them. He's also um, recently been um, volunteered and, is, and was, is on the Aesthetic Safety Council that was formed um, to help AMSPA put together um, recommended practice guidelines. So, uh, Warren, I, I appreciate you, you joining us. We've had a bunch of conversations recently. We've, we've talked, obviously, in the context of the, of, of the guidelines and on, on the council, as well as just, you know, in general about med spa things um, and regulation. And, and I brought you on because I really wanted to talk about, um, you know, you've got some, some, some really good and I think important perspectives on med spa regulation and the kind of the industry as a whole um, that, that I want to get into. Before we do that, why don't um, you just uh, give everyone a a quick, you know, thumbnail sketch of, of, of who you are, where you're from, what your, what your practice is like, and, and then we'll jump into it. Sure, Alex, happy. I'm uh, really excited to talk to you guys uh, today. You know, um, this is a, a topic that's really top of mind for me because, you know, I, I worked in the corporate world. I, I worked in the cell phone business for 15, 17 years before I got into the, into the cosmetic practice. So I'm, um, I'm really accustomed to kind of the regulatory environments and working with attorneys and regulatory bodies and things like that. And, you know, I, I, um, I moved to Boise from California. So I've, I've got both perspectives on that really high regulatory environment you have, you find in California and kind of the laissez faire, um, low regulatory environment from Boise. Yeah, for sure. Before I opened Spot 35, I worked in the, uh, the cell phone business. I was kind of a pioneer in the cell phone business, you know, when, uh, and cell phones are great big, uh, you, you know, you mount mm. them in a briefcase or mount them in your car. And <laughs> yep. I kind of wrote that wave until, uh, until when, when cell phones got free, I got the heck out. And then um, <laughs> I opened Spot 35 about 15 years ago. So, I, you know, I, I wanted to do something that was um, good for the consumers and, and uh, you know, relatively complex. I kind of like uh, mentally stimulating environments. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the reasons I just, I just you know, love the, this business that we're in right now. Well, you, and you said you've been you, you've been in, you've been in the industry for for so for fifteen years. Um, what, what's the? I, I'm kind of curious, just from a overall perspective, what was the industry? What was the med spa market like fifteen years ago in in Boise? You know, it was. Um, I mean, at least it's very very kind of traditional medicine where you know a derm would would throw a laser into their practice or a family medicine doc would throw a laser hair right. removal machine um, into their place. And so we were one of the really first places, you know, I spent a lot of time in California before I opened my practice in Boise. And I really studied kind of this whole med spa space about, mm -hmm. you know, it's really um, less about the medical specialty of a particular person and more about kind of taking that almost that day spa experience with the medical services. Right. And so I was, I was one of the first people really to kind of, introduce that here yeah and, and and did you was 
why Boise? I mean, and I don't want to get into, you know, if it was, if it's a personal decision, but I mean, Boise is not the traditional spot you think of to open your first med spa, particularly back in right. the 2000s. But um, I'm curious, why'd you end up there? Well, you know, I, I grew up in upstate New York and I really loved kind of the outdoor environment of, of, of New York. You know, I, I ended up in California and I, I loved California when I first got there. I spent, I think, 15 years in California, maybe a little, a little bit more. And I, um, I wanted to get kind of out of the rat race to raise a family. I, you know, I had, I was, I lived in nice neighborhoods, but, you know, my first broken into, and, you know, you go to the grocery store by the gangers or not. So I, I purposely left the California environment. Uh, you know, and I had the financial um, uh, opportunity to do so. And I, I loved Boise. It's just, you know, it's kind of like, you know, um, old bound USA from the 60s. It's, you know, it's a relatively small environment. Every, you know, you walk in the grocery store and people talk to you. So it's, it's just mm-hmm. a nice, nice community. Are there, I mean, is, is there a, a strong, is, is there a strong demand for aesthetic services in, in, in Boise and Idaho in general? Uh, you know, it's changing rapidly. So um, I'm not sure if you're, you're watching the news right now, but, you know, everyone from California is moving out here. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I was one of them. So I consider myself kind of like a second wave of Californians. We're probably on the, on the fourth wave. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the market is really changing a lot. We're, we're getting more and more Californians in town. Uh, and that is, and that means both the you know, demand is increasing, but we're also seeing uh, more men in a larger set of demographic groups. So we're getting more younger people, um, we're getting, getting more of the gay and lesbian community. We're getting more men. So the, the demographics have changed dramatically over the last 15 years. Yeah. I, I, I love um, talking to folks, you know, in, in states like Boise or, you know, we've got members all over the place because it just, it show, to me, it shows how strong the, the market is just nationally. It doesn't matter where you go. There's people yeah. who, who want this. And the fact that you've been at it for 15 years um, is is very telling. I mean, that's a long time in this industry. That's a lifetime in, in med spas. So um, I did want to talk. Uh, the the reason that, that that I wanted to bring you on is is as as you know, we're we're kind of in the in the middle, uh, although getting towards the tail end of of the the process for developing uh, recommended practice guidelines, uh, which we had already released. Um, formed the council. And then, um, you know, we've had a bunch of conversations about about where that's going to go. And I think we've had a really great, uh, a great experience. Um, I, at least I have putting together um, the guidelines just because we've had such a diverse group of different people come onto the security, the safety council and, and, and provide their opinions on, on things. And, and we've really had, I mean, we've had, you know, physician owners, we've had NP owners, a lot of, we, there's uh, a few business owners like yourself. So non-physician uh, owners of Mesbaz. And I think we've gotten a really good kind of broad spectrum view of, of, uh, of the industry. I'm, I'm curious um, just to kind of start out what's um I mean, what, Given all the things that we've talked about on the um, on the safety council, what's kind of the one thing that jumps out at you about um, regulation and um, just kind of you know safety in 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 med spas? Because there's so many things to talk about that, but I'm just curious, like what's the you know what's your big takeaway so far from your experience um, in the calls that we've had on the on, on the safety council? Well, two things, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll um, I'm going to add in. You know, I just got back from Aesthetic Next, so I, I talked to a lot yeah. of people when I was at Aesthetic Next about this whole topic. And, and the first thing um, is that the, uh, in general, there's a very low um, knowledge about the regulation of the services we deliver. Yes. So 
um, it's, it's really shocking that um, the, an understanding of the current regulatory environment is, is, just, is just so low. Yeah. You know, um, I think we talked about this a little bit, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm coming back from that corporate environment. So before I opened my med spa, I spent a ton of money and time with a really good attorney who specializes in medical uh, law to understand all the nuances. Um, and it doesn't seem like that's the norm. See, it seems right. like the norm is, you know, of, you know, your, your family, family practice person, a laser rep shows up in your office and says, you know, you should start doing pool sculpting and boom, you know, advice shows up in the office. And there's, there's not a lot of um, proactive um, research on kind of what the current regulatory environments are. Yeah. And the, and the second one is, you know, from a safety perspective, you know, my, my contention, and you know, I've talked about this a lot. I mean, I think in general, we've got a really safe industry, like we've yeah. got safe practices, but we, you know, occasionally we've got, we get these outliers. So, so a core question is, how do you take the people that um, are not representative of the industry and may not do things the right way and, and help can put those folks under control and, and yet, you know, not kill the, the goose that lays the golden egg. I mean, we, we've got a great industry. We're doing a great job of growing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I think about the guidelines, I, I always think about, all right, I, I you know, I, there's, there's all these things that everyone should be doing. I wish they would. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to write rules to make people do the smart thing. It's mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah. I actually had that written down is is in, in my notes in preparation for this is how do we make people do the right thing right because what we, and we've talked about this a, a bunch many of the many of the rules are in place already there's 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 in some ways there's this been this push um, by m- several different groups to to create more stringent rules or to just to, to and by us to 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 kind of make you know to shed light on what the rules are but the fact of the matter is is that they're there already most people just don't know about them and there are some people who know about them and don't follow them and um, it's it's you know I, I, that there's a lot that you said there that I think um, we could unpack on and 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 w- w- what do you think um, I mean, why do you think that is that, that, that we've, we've, because, and, and we've had this conversation to me, it seems very obvious and intuitive that these are medical treatments. We're talking about medical procedures, but yet there's this, there's developed kind of under, you know, the nose of medical boards and nursing boards, um, a, a fairly significant part of the industry who unknowingly is kind of operating as if it's they're they're not medical. They're kind of quasi medical. And, and I'm I'm curious what you think. Um, just given your your experience for, for for the years you've been in the industry, like how did how did that happen? And then the, obviously the next question is how do we get around it? Yeah. So so two thoughts, and um, this, I'm going to try to keep this as succinct as possible. You know, I think. Um, our rules are written around the concept of when someone is sick, we're willing to use treatments that have a risk associated with them because the risk of the treatment is less than the risk of the disease. And we have an environment where the, when the treatment has got a lot of risk associated with it, you, you want to have great medical oversight because you don't want to select the wrong patient, you don't want to hurt them with treatment. Um, you know, if it's like prostate care, treatments don't decrease their life. You want to have a, a, a treatment that does it is uh, the appropriate um, is the appropriate solution. Right. 
you know, in the, in the cosmetic world, I think we're in this environment where many of the boards recognize that cosmetic treatments are, for the most part, really safe. They've got a really low risk profile. Right. And so for the most part, I think in many cases, we're kind of getting a buy from the regulatory bodies because they were like, hey, it's Botox, right? We're, we're not going to get in the middle of Botox. It's, it's just, you know, no one gets hurt. It's really safe and yada, yada. Yet, we're, you know, the rules didn't go away. I mean, the, the, the regulatory constraints are still there for Botox, just like any other medical treatment. And so we're kind of in this gray zone where as, as the industry matures, um, I think Anaspot can play a great role in, in helping us define, I mean, what should that regulatory environment be for these really low risk procedures that are cosmetic in nature? Uh, and, and, and should those be different than treating disease? And I don't have a great answer for that one. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Um, I th- I think in, in in many ways it's a it's a question that that I don't think is is, is ever going to be or the answer is not going to be changed because in light of the fact that most medical boards that we talk to and we speak to medical boards all the time and nursing boards they're very much. You know, the minute you start talking about aesthetic medicine, to them, it's it's medicine or non-medicine, right? You draw that line and that's it. And um, so the idea that, well, voluntary, non-invasive, for lack of a better word, you know, non, um, you know, relatively safe, very safe treatments, it's still going to be medicine and they're still going to come down on that side of things. Um but I'm curious, like, what's the, I mean, why all of a sudden, because what we've seen recently in the past, and, and I've been talking about this for five years, but really we've seen it ramp up in the last 18 months to two years is we have started to see more and more legislation and regulations being, being introduced, um, not by, not by AMSPA, oftentimes not even by the industry, but we're starting to see it get more and more um, regulated, and a lot of times the regulations that are introduced are not favorable to us. They're 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 they're, they're kind of out there, I, and I'm I'm curious why why now all of a sudden is this is this starting to happen versus versus before the industry's been growing you know gangbusters for for 15 years. Uh, all of a sudden we're starting to see this. Any any thoughts? Yeah, I mean I think we've we've got kind of the ideal conditions for traditional medicine. Um, to want to get into cash-based businesses. So if, I mean, if you look at the things that are happening, I mean, COVID right now is a great example. I mean, people in the medical community are completely stressed out. I mean, they are mm-hmm. maxed. And they would all love to bail on traditional medicine and get mm-hmm. in, into, into cosmetics. And if, um, uh, I gotta be careful how I say this one, but you know, rules can be, administrative rules, laws can be used to carve out economic opportunities for particular groups. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not new right now. I mean, right. It's, it, this has happened forever. And so I think we've got kind of this um, environment where um, medical folks are completely burned out on traditional medicine. You know, it probably started with Obamacare and now we've got COVID on top of it. And we, I, I think we've got this, this bubble of people that want to get into this space because traditional medicine is completely burning them out. And writing new laws and regulations is a great way to to um, to keep them out to carve out. Yeah. Keep 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 other people out. Yeah. So, I mean, really what you're saying is that there are likely or possibly interests out there who are trying to keep out medical spas, 
non-core physicians, owners like yourself. Um, and, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I think there, there are, I, I have yet to really get a full, full picture of, of who that is, but there's no question that there are interests out there who are trying to, to use lobbying and regulations to, to, to carve out the space and to kind of, to, to kind of keep it for their own. I feel like that's pretty, that's, that's, to me, that's pretty well established. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the things I, I thought about getting ready for this call is I think about, you know, our children, and there's nothing more important in the world than our children. And when our children get on the bus, we make a decision on what are the qualifications of the bus driver. Right now, we could require everyone to be a former NASCAR driver. That would be the safest thing to do. But, but we've got to make a decision on kind of what are the economic benefits versus the safety profile and how we're going to get our kids to school. And in, in many ways, we're in that same argument. I mean, if you really want to be safe, you know, only derms, only plastic surgeons, those are the only people that should do cosmetic services. But somewhere in that continuum is, you know, we, we've got to take care of the consumer. And, and consumers demand, you know, lots of services, easy access, good pricing, uh, variety in services. So we're kind of caught in this quandary of we've got consumers whose expectations we must meet. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a safety profile. We've, we've got to make sure that we're delivering high, um, high threshold safe services so we don't harm the consumer we're trying to serve. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I, you know, the, the regulatory environment, you know, we got the nursing board, we got the medical board, we got the dental board, we've got the board of cosmetology, we've got the radiologic groups that control devices, we've got all these folks that are now trying to grapple with what's our role in regulating cosmetic services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good point. And, um, but I guess I, I guess I go back to what, what we spoke about earlier is that really it's, it's, I mean, we're, we're at a point where the, the, the main thing that we're missing is education, right? And just educating the, the, everyone out there on what the rules are, which we've been trying to do for, I've been trying to do now for over 10 years. Um, I'm having the exact same conversations I had 10 years ago that I am today, right? Yeah. The same exact ones about, you know, what the basic rules are so that, so in some ways, you know, I, I feel like we've made progress. Um, because there are a lot more folks who I feel like know what the basics are, but at the same time, I also get frustrated because I'm like, man, I've had this conversation with, with people, um, over and over and over again about just the base. Yes, this is the practice of medicine. Yes. You know, all these things exist. Um, and, and, and I, I feel like there's just some ways we're just not getting through to a lot of people. And how do we do that? Like, what's the, and I know that's a loaded question and I'm not expecting the the exact answer, but like, what are some things that we can do to get these, these, these other actors who are doing things incorrectly, sometimes unknowingly, um, how do we get them? How do we get, how do we break through to them to, to, to get them to realize what the rules are so we can start evening the playing field out a little bit? Well, I mean, a few things, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but, you know, it's, I mean, there's, there's uh, everything's like a bell curve, right? You've got the people in the middle, you got people that are great, you got people that are terrible. And there's some people that are just in this business only for money, right? And they don't right. care about the risk they've got, and they don't necessarily care about bad outcomes. But I can't tell you how many stories I hear about 
Um, you know, I, I got filler done at X, Y, and Z, and I need it dissolved. And he told me to come to you. It's like, wait, you're, you're telling me they, they, don't, they don't have a process to help you dissolve a filler yeah. that, that went wrong? Right. Um, but I, I really struggle with, I don't know exactly. I, mean, I, I love the guidelines and the concept of the guidelines. Unless we've got some mechanism to say, when you do X, we've got this enforcement process. Well, like, I'll give you an example. I think I've got competitors who are buying fillers overseas and having it illegally shipped to the U.S., yeah. right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that for a fact. I just suspect it. No one pursues it. I mean, there, there is not a group that goes back and, um, you know, goes down to customs and says, all right, this is, a, um, you know, not, not approved by the FDA in the U.S. We're, we're going to shut yeah. that down. So we don't really have a great enforcement process for those outliers. And in my concern, I think we can create all the rules that we want, but the good people will keep doing what they're doing today. I mean, I, I try really hard to do all the right things, mm-hmm. but that doesn't help me um, mitigate the people that don't follow rules. And, and I don't know how you fix that one. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we need to get enough people together um, who want to follow them where, where it kind of becomes the norm really. And, and mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, it, and, and, and clearly that hasn't necessarily happened yet. Um, I think we're, I think we're making progress and, and, and I, like I said, I get, I sometimes I get frustrated because I feel like we're not, but then again, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll look at, you know, when we do our, our conferences, the, just the, the, the sheer numbers of people, that, that have a, a larger baseline number or knowledge of, of the rules than before, I think is, is definitely measurable. There's, there's something there. But I think we need to get um, enough people rallying around the idea that we've got to do this correctly. And, and in some ways, that means, you know, that means AMSPA, we have to educate, we have to flood the airways with, look, this is what the rules are. Um, everyone's got to buy into them and follow them. And then at the same time, point to the guidelines that we're developing and saying this is a, 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 a document that, that, that we all can agree on, um, you know, is something worth striving towards and, and just hopefully getting folks to, to start to buy into that. But it's, it's definitely a challenge and it's a, it's, it's a problem because I, I, I'm telling you the, the, the things that I work, the, the people that I talk to, the, the biggest issue for me is not that I see in the industry is not ensuring that the rules, the right rules are put in place. It's just getting people to follow the rules and, to, and then having the medical boards enforce the rules. And it, it's just not there right now. Agreed. Um, but, you know, um, but I don't have an easy solution. I mean, it's, you know, right. like you and I have talked a little bit before, you know, we've, we've got, you know, the rules of California and the rules of Florida are much more strict than the rules of Idaho and Iowa. I mean, how do you create this competitive environment where everyone plays by the same set of rules, delivers a great service for the consumer, and we um, have free and robust competition? Um, it, it, there's, there, we're not all playing by the same set of rules. Right. Well, I, that's, I think that's true, but I think it's also not maybe as different as people think. I mean, um, there's, there's some very basic ones that I think need to be adopted and just, or just accepted. Um, this is medical treatment, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the main thing. I mean, there are a lot of folks in States that, that operate 
as if it's not, as if it's, and I've had people tell me this, they say, well, what do you mean? It's, it's, you know, this is not medical. This is, you know, we're talking about just like lasers and, and I can see like laser hair removal or, or skin tightening and I, or cool sculpting, right? I can see them. I can see where that, that comes from because it's not like we're, this isn't brain surgery, right? But at the same time, I have no doubt that in no matter what state you go to, whether it's I- Iowa, Idaho or wherever, if you've got an accident, um, uh, because of, uh, of a laser treatment and there's an investigation by the medical board, they're going to come down on the side that it's, that it is medical treatment. So I think there's a certain baseline level of, 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 of just kind of principles that we can agree upon that, that need to be just manifested out into the industry at large. And I think a lot of that has to do with industry training, you know, the, the companies, the injectable companies, the laser companies, they all have to get on board too. I mean, it's not just a, it's not just us that has to do it. It's, it's everybody. Yeah. I, I think that's a key, a key point. And, and you've, I think you've, um, the safety council is a great start, but, it, but I think at some point we're going to have to expand this out to all the stakeholders that are, that are involved, you know, the, the manufacturers and, you know, device creators and, uh, you know, the big box folks, they're, they're going to have to play a role in this at some point. And I think, you know, from an AMSPOT perspective, we, we need to make make everyone think like this is a win-win. When, when everyone understands what the rules are and everyone plays by a common set of rules, that, that's a win for everyone. And right now, I think um, you guys are leading kind of the, the pack or really in the, the pack on trying to make sure that everyone understands what the rules are. But there's still a, a lot of big players in the industry mm-hmm. that... Um, kind of ignore the fact that, you know, laser hair removal, it's, it's a medical service, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you don't have a prescriptive authority involved in that somewhere, uh, you've got a problem. Hey guys, Alex Tiersch here, and I wanted to ask you, have you heard of RepeatMD yet? Their company is growing like crazy and for good reason. You'll be seeing lots of these guys, and I want all of you who are listening to get the scoop before everyone else. We just did a podcast with their CEO, Phil Sitter, and Vice President of Sales, Chris Chemenko. And I thought I had a lot of great pearls for for marketing your practice. Go check it out for sure on wherever you find your podcasts. What RepeatMD does is simple. They sell more of your high margin services by building your own private label mobile rewards program. Think of this like your own Starbucks rewards program built specifically for your aesthetic practice. So what are the average results for RepeatMD clients? They just did a study and 51 new referrals were received in the first 90 days. Eight out of 10 rewards members tried a new service in the first six months and $313,000 of top line sales were grown in the first year alone. Now, obviously these results will vary since they have a lot to do with your existing patient traffic or based on the list of services you offer, but those are crazy numbers that all of us would want for any of our practices. But listen, the best part of working with RepeatMD is that it's easy. New clients can get started in as little as 10 business days. So if you've been looking for an internal rewards program, you have to check these guys out. I know you'll like them. They're going to be great success, and I hope you check them out. Visit repeatmd slash AMSPA to book a quick product demonstration. That's repeatmd slash AMSPA. You'll receive a 50% off credit towards your first purchase for being a listener of Medical Spa Insider. And again, thanks again, RepeatMD, for sponsoring this podcast. Take a look at them at repeatmd slash AMSPA. Let me kind of just shift gears a little bit. What's um, I, I always ask this when we do our boot camps. We'll have you know a success panel of folks who have opened successful med spas and are running them. What what is it that you 
love about the industry and what is what's the one thing or or one or more things that just kind of that, that scare you or, or or make you nervous or that you wish you could change mm. uh, yeah I think what I love about the industry is we've got this continuous funnel of new services that help people in new ways I mean we're kind of at this um, this intersection of key learnings in medicine, in physics, in computer tech, and we're, we're doing all this new and new stuff that's mm-hmm. really, really exciting. Um, and at the same time, because there's all this new stuff, the training and knowledge that's required to deliver it in a safe manner gets more and more comprehensive. So, you know, um, I'd like to stay on the cutting edge of all the new stuff, but my training irregular me the, the amount of training that I do and the amount of knowledge that my providers have to have just um, grows exponentially. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it would be my summary. I mean, I'm really excited about the new services, but man, staying on top of stuff is expensive, it's time consuming, and uh, really requires a lot of effort. Well, and and I think that kind of goes back to our original discussion points is that it requires a lot of effort. Um, if you believe that that effort is needed. And the, the, I think part of the issue is that you've got some folks who just, who, who do cut corners and who aren't f- getting all the training they need and aren't following the rules. And so you have this unequal playing field where you've got folks who aren't, you know, it's cheaper and easier and, and sh- in the short run, I would say more lucrative to not be compliant and not be fully trained than it is to be compliant and, and, and to train because it's, it's, it, it takes time. It takes money. It takes investment. I think ultimately it's, it's the better play obviously, but, but in the short term it's not. And so you've got, and I know you've dealt with that in, in Idaho. We talked about this. I mean, there are folks in your, in your industry who, and you mentioned it with, with, with the purchase of, of fillers, which is also a big problem. Um, you know, do you do you see that often? I mean, when you talk to other folks in your in your community who are in this, can you tell right off the bat that they're they're kind of cutting corners and not doing things as carefully and safely as you are? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we we all um, have run into folks that uh, they will kind of rent a doc, right? So they they, yeah. they rent a medical director and they pay him a thousand dollars a month to do chart reviews, and you know the provider is a dental hygienist or an esthetician. And the uh, you know the, the doctor doesn't really care, and you know technically they're they're they meet the letter of the law, but you know I mean that that's that's a a problem, and you know once again I mean I'm not quite sure how you write rules and regs to cut out every single one of those situations, particularly if you don't have great enforcement. You know I I would love everyone um, to you know have a prescriptive authority in place, whether it's an NP or a, or a physician or a DDS or whatever. And to, I mean, I, I spend a ton of money on training. I, I can't believe you tell you how much money um, and time it costs yeah. to have people uh, fully trained. And yet, you know, I'm competing with people that, you know, uh, did six months of esthetician school and now we're doing fillers. Mm. And, you know, in many cases, it's up to us from a um, communication perspective as business owners and medical providers to differentiate ourselves from the folks who are not um, doing what I consider to be the right things. And, you know, maybe that's something we could discuss in the future is like, you know, if, if, we, if we don't do a good job of communicating, consumers don't know the difference. And go ahead. No, I, I think that's a huge point. Uh, I, I think it's a huge point. And it's something that, that, that I – candidly, AMSPA has not 
has not done. I, w- I was going to say we haven't done a good job at it, but we haven't really done it at all just because we've been focused on trying to get the industry together. But but I think the the communication of the right and the wrong way to do things to the public, to the consumer, is equally as important. Mm-hmm. Because if yeah. they don't know the difference, how you know, like what is the advantage to going to a place like that, that does things right with training and is compliant versus a non-contraining compliant or non, non-trained, non-compliant place. If, if you don't know, right. And even if the results aren't maybe perfect, you're probably not going to know any better as, as the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. It, but it, but it's, a, it's, it's a, it's not an easy topic to communicate. I mean, I, I, I do my best to, um, make sure that my website's got that type of information out. But, you know, I mean, no one wants to sit down and say, you know, oh, yeah, and, you know, on September 15th, we, we had a, a vendor come in and do a three-hour safety meeting on, you know, how to work with occlusion and how mm-hmm. to have a safety kit. You know, consumers don't necessarily want to get down to that level of detail. But, it, but at some point, you know, um, you've got to build a reputation for excellence and how to best communicate what excellence means mm-hmm. um, is kind of the details that I'm, I'm not quite sure how to get to. Yeah. What, what is there? Is there any uh, in your state in Idaho? I mean, is there active enforcement at all against medical spas that you've seen? Uh, no, I mean, Idaho is, is, has a reputation. I mean, we're, we're very proud that we've got the least regulation of any state in the nation. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry for my dog. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and, and that's one of the reasons I moved here, right, quite frank. I, I mean, I went from a very high regulatory environment in California to Idaho where, you know, it's kind of a, a laissez-faire. And I, and I do think there's there's a, a key component here. I mean, one of the things that's happening as the industry grows is social media tools like um, reviews and Yelp and Facebook and Instagram. I mean, consumers really have a lot of resources to get information about um, who's doing a good job and how, mm-hmm. who's not doing a good job. I think some of the things that we can work on is, you know, you know, what is excellent and what is, you know, maybe, you know, I've, I've mentioned this in the past a little bit. It's like, you know, maybe we need like a brand of, you know, this is 100% Angus beef or this is organic, right? What's, what's the equivalent of that for the med spa community mm-hmm. that says, you know, this is a quote unquote, you know, am spa certified practice that is doing all the right stuff. So there's a marketing message around, you know, this group has got, all the right things in place mm-hmm. so you can feel confident you're going to a place that's um, acknowledged, mm-hmm. um, you know, versus the, uh, you know, back of the trunk, here, here's some Gucci bags. I'll, I'll, I'll sell you this, this <laughs> night, but I'm, I'm only going to be here for a couple of hours. Right now. No, I, I, I mean, absolutely. I think, I think that's ultimately the goal um, here is to, is to have that differentiator. Um, and I think you have to have it. Otherwise it's, it's, you know, again, there's no, there's no board certification here, right? So you're not going to be able to say, I went to a board certified plastic surgeon or whatever. There's no board certified aesthetic doctor. Um, so right now it's just how much they're trained and what their experience is, which, you know, is just really just words on, on a, on a page that that's all it is for, as far as the, 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 the public's knowledge is, um, no, that's interesting. I, I, th- th- these are obviously super complex questions, and and I don't think there there are answers or solutions that are going to come overnight. I think it's going to take a lot of time. I think the thing that makes me nervous 
most about all of this is that while we're working out trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to, 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 to get met, you know, med spas professionalized to get the public to understand what's the best way is that, you know, the undercurrent to all this is that there's all these other groups and there's, there's laws and there's things that are being introduced that, that, that potentially are going to, you know, revert us back and it's going to cause us even, even more headaches. So it's kind of like we've got, you know, it's not going to take a, it's not going to be easy to do this, but it's also not, we don't have time to sit back and just kind of let it sort itself out. I don't think because there's things that are happening right now that we see that are kind of scary um, when it comes to med spas. If you're a med spa owner, um, you know, you need to be plugged in right now because there are things that, that, that are introduced that even we don't hear about um, until it's almost too late. Um, and I don't really have a question. I'm just kind of pontificating here. Um, but I mean, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a great spot um, where Amispot can represent the members, you know, and you've got a pretty diverse group of, of members. And when, um, you know, when there's a knee re- knee-jerk reaction at, at, the, at the state level and someone gets the ear of a legislator and they start going down that, that pathway of creating what all, in almost all cases, I see it as poorly thought out regulation, mm-hmm. I, I think it's... I think we need to help the elected officials understand look, we've got an environment of current regulations right now. And almost in every case, they, they create this little subset for cosmetics that is just going to make things so freaking complicated. They don't understand. You know, they're trying to do mm-hmm. the right thing, yeah. but they don't realize they're impacting every board. You know, they're, they're, they're impacting everything. And so I, I think um, we've got, Two things, two intersections. You know, the, the members have, have got an interest. They're 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 operating med spas. They're operating under the current environment. And so, when someone writes um, or proposes a new set of rules, I think we should rally the forces and not only get all the members involved, but also all the current regulatory boards and organizations involved, so that no one gets undercut um, by one kind of the competing boards and. Um, Carve, they, they, someone carves out an opportunity just for them. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I, I, I think that, and I think you're absolutely right. It's it's because there's really nothing right now, and because it's kind of a, you know, and I, and I hate to say this because it, it's it's not a free for all if you actually read the law and follow it. Right? It's not a free for all. Like the regulations are there. You don't really need new regulation. It's 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 covered in what's there in 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 the states. But it is a free for all in that people don't follow it, people don't know about it, and it's not enforced. So the issue becomes if as that enforcement starts to happen and laws are written, it has the impact of influencing other states. And next thing you know, if it's a you know, if it's one that's not in our favor, that re- that is more restrictive, um, then that's going to have an impact on other states. You know, and, and non-physician ownership is of med spas is, is a is an example of this. We're seeing, you know, in California right now, there there is a push um, to really clamp down on non-physician owners and 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 and, and that that whole issue, which which we're in the middle of 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 fighting, but that could have an impact on on other states. 
Um, and, and, and I know you're, you're obviously as a non-physician owner, you're, you're in favor of that. And, and, and I am too. And, and so is Amspa. I'm, I'm curious, just as we get kind of close to time here, um, have you thought about the, the kind of competing issues with, with physician ownership and non-physician ownership? And do you have any, any opinions or thoughts on that? Yeah, I've, I've got a, a ton of opinions on that. Obviously, as a non-physician owner, but you know, the, the first thing I'll say is, is I'll say this is, you know, I never get in the middle of a medical decision with my with my team. I've got I've got two nurse practitioners on my team. They're the prescriptive authority in, in Idaho, and I clearly tell them, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to make medical decisions. So I think that's a, a clear point we need to make in this, and I think that's what drives a lot of these rules is, mm-hmm. um, no one wants the business owner to come in and. Um, uh, deliver services that are not, not appropriate for the patient, right? right. Um, but at the same time, our industry is thriving because we've got this great blend of business people and medical folks mm-hmm. that create these environments that are awesome for consumers, right? And the consumer wins. They get great service. They get great pricing. I mean, the, the industry is thriving because we've got people that really understand medicine and they also understand business. And we all have won. So we, we risk going backwards and yep. making med spas look like traditional medicine when we only have doctors in charge. Yeah. So that's my two bits. No, I agree. I, I, I think, I, I think it's, I, I think in some of these, some of these debates are the, the, the folks that, and again, right now it is, it is, it is mostly the state of California and I don't think that's going to end up being changed, I think, but we're definitely seeing some folks on the medical board and in the legislature who are pushing for, for more, you know, more oversight of, of, of non-medical owners. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think, um, I always say this strong, strong businesses are, are compliant and, and, and they tend to be safer. Um, when you're not compliant and you're not a strong business, you tend to cut corners. And so I like the idea of having business acumen, um, you know, injected into med spas. And, and the, the, the plain fact of the matter is, is that a lot of doctors and, and NPs and, you know, lawyers like me for that instance are just not very strong at that. And so to have, to be able to have that, that help I think is, is key and to take it away, I think will have a, de- a detrimental effect. However, um, what you said is absolutely correct is that you have to be, have people to understand, you know, that the medical is medical and the business is business. And that's the number one thing. Medical is medical. And there are, unfortunately we've seen in the past, um, you know, in the, and I talked about this on a, on a prior podcast with, with, you know, some of the, the larger laser, um, chains in the, in the early two thousands got a little bit over their skis in that. And they started having, you know, business decisions were driving everything and including medical treatment. So we, that's kind of the, the thing that we can't get to. Um, and, and again, we go back to how do we get folks to do the right thing? How do we get folks to, to, to draw that line between the medical decisions and the business decisions? I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, we have a, a great answer for that right now, but I think it's definitely worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the work that needs to be done. I, I don't, it's not an easy solution. I think I think you're you're um, in the middle of that one, right? You're right in the yeah. middle of the crosshairs of trying to get that done. It's not easy, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, we are um, uh, running out of time. I, I want to just kind of finish with what, like, tell me about your uh, your thoughts of the future of the industry. Like, what, like, we're, like, Project ahead five years, 
You know, are we going to continue with this explosive growth or what, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I, I, like, I, I think we're, we're all in for a great ride. You know, before I got in this business on the cell phone business and kind of went through that, that same thing. And I think we're, we're going to go through the same exponential growth that other high tech, um, high consumer oriented industries have gone through. So as, as, as medical breakthroughs and, and technology breakthroughs continue, the things that we can do non-surgically for our customers is going to continue to explode. This can create a lot of opportunity for all of us. It's also going to create some risk and some um, challenges that we all need to be able to face together. Yeah, I think you're right. That's how I feel too. Uh, all right. Well, Warren, it was it was great um, having you. I, I definitely want to have you back. Certainly, as as things start to to, to develop, you know the, the the guidelines that I think everyone. I, I I'm gonna. You know, again, I've seen them because I'm working on them, um, and and then the council obviously is gonna is gonna have uh, ha- have the next look at it. I, I'm I'm confident that it's it's gonna be uh, a really good um, ad- advanced document that people are gonna be excited about. Um, and I would love to have you back as as things start to develop. There's a lot of there's a lot of things going on in the industry right now. I talked about California a few times. We're gonna have some updates on that. I would love to have you back to get your commentary on it because I think it's 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 needed and it's a it's it's a good uh, it's a good perspective. Um, but thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I um I appreciate the opportunity to have some input on the safety guidelines. I mean, I think it's good for everyone involved. You know, you've, you've got a great group of people that work on that. So it's, it's always exciting to work with um, kind of intelligent leaders in the industry. And I'd, I'd love to, to, to join you when the time is appropriate. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for joining. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Warren Danforth, speaker and owner of Spa 35. If you're new with us, we would love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get MSPA content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.